You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and we have been chatting uh, the past few weeks with some of the people behind and involved in the Hot Docs Festival that's coming up in Toronto uh, towards the end of April, the beginning of May. And one of the movies that is being screened is Idolors, which is the... Uh, documentary on Dolores Price and uh, Dolores was a militant IRA activist, a hunger striker, a dissident republican with two years before um, and uh, two years before she died gave a filmed interview on condition that it would not be broadcast in her lifetime and now for the first time her story can be told in full and entirely in her own words and Maura Sweeney is the director of the documentary, I, Dolores. Morris, thanks a million for agreeing to have a chat. Okay, good to be here. Thanks. So, um, that gives a little bit of the background. You had the opportunity to meet Dolores uh, before she died. Um, tell us a bit about what, first of all, your own um, background in the movie industry and what got you into it. And uh, what appealed to you about documentaries? Um, I always, <coughs> I've been filming documentaries now for... Oh, the last 15, 16 years, um, uh, I love the format because uh, you start off pretty much with an empty page and you're still working with an empty page by the time you get to the edit. And you, you feel your way through the subject. It's very different to drama in that respect. Um, a documentary can go anywhere um, and you have to deal with certain things that come up and it's it's a constantly changing thing and it's an exciting format in that respect. And actually going to Hot Docs is great because I think the format of documentaries really become hugely popular, especially in Ireland. Actually, moment, there's been a huge success of documentaries over the last few years uh, with Irish filmmakers, and it's great to see them being shown abroad now. So, like, there's a reality about it that might not necessarily there that you connect instantly because of a reality. Absolutely, and I, I think with documentary, it offers a different angle on life, on people, on situations, on politics, on culture. Uh, it allows the filmmaker to kind of uh, show an audience different ways of looking at stuff that you know that, that doesn't ha- often have to be the status quo uh, or the, the what we what we're told to think. You know, um, nothing's ever simple. You know, and I, I think when I was approaching the documentary I Dolores, I remember hearing a quote, and I can't remember who said it, but it says, "Monstrous acts aren't committed by monstrous people." but committed by human beings like you and I, you know, uh, who are radicalised or whatever. And I think that angle really kind of fascinated me with taking on the, the documentary. Now, some of your previous work would have been more historical in a way. I noticed that um, mm. you had a series, Barbarian Rising, Barbarians Risings and um, Saving the Titanic um, and uh, The Forgotten Irish. In, in one sense, would I, Dolores, be then you could say, far more contemporary. It was. I mean, I think The Forgotten Irish is probably quite close in a lot of ways because it tells a story that uh, not always the obvious story of people just immigrating to Britain. There were other reasons for them being forgotten. Um, it was, uh, I mean, I've done stuff on a lot of cultural stuff like Yeats and Flann O'Brien and modern writers like John Connolly as well. Um, so I've always been interested in the person. Um and how they view the world and how they reacted within it when they were alive. Uh, and Dolores is another example of that. But, uh, I mean, we're still dealing with history with Dolores um, and a very contentious time. And it's funny, it's only, I think, in the, the last few years that documentaries have been able to tackle the troubles uh, in a 
in a more standoff point in a way that that but, but can really get underneath the skin of it. Um, I mean, I think of the Bobby Sands documentary last year that did very well at Hot Docs as well. Uh, and I'm be interested to see the reaction to why Dolores, you know. So. And on that point, like, when you say it allows you to get under the skin, you know, we um, approach, I suppose, all of us approach um, incidents or people that are in our lifetime mm. with preconceived attitudes. Mm. Uh, when you mention Bobby Sand or Dolores Price or be it an Ian Paisley or whatever, we, we're going to approach a subject like that or a person like that based on some of the background that we've grown up with. So when you confront something or a person like this that um, may or may not have been aligned to your um, mm. leanings, mm. does that present a challenge? And then do you come away from that having feel, felt, you know, I've really learned and grown from this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think it's incumbent upon a filmmaker to be open. Uh, I think it's incumbent on a filmmaker to ask questions, to open their mind to possibilities of things. Uh, Dolores Price's actions I wouldn't personally have agreed with. I can understand her reasons, which I think, and I think understanding is sometimes is a lot more important than agreeing with things. Uh, and I think we could, that's something that could be applied to all parts of life, uh, you know, from your relationship to your wife or your husband to friends, brothers, family to politics. It's, uh, and I think documentary um, gives us that chance to kind of step back and say, well, hold on, why did this happen? Why did she do these things? Why did she react in that particular way? A very intelligent woman went down a certain road. And at the end of the day, I think it's, it's a lot about circumstances and it's, it's where we grow up and it's very hard to walk in other people's shoes. But I think if we can try to understand what it was like for them and why they did things, it gives us a better overall picture, I think, of the troubles um, and why people do things. I mean, I mean, it's interesting, she took a very different stance later in life, uh, you know, about the peace process, which I, again, wouldn't probably go along with, but I can understand where she was coming from. You know? And when you say that, uh, where you can understand, I suppose, the whole benefit of the documentary is that it gives us a window into that element of an individual that we wouldn't otherwise get. Absolutely. And actually, you know, the process of making this was very hard. It was, look, when you're, when you're dealing with the North and you're dealing with the years, especially the early 70s, um, in, in the North of Ireland, it's very contentious. And when we approach people at the initial days of filming, most people weren't inter didn't want to be interviewed. Um, and the people we really wanted to talk to definitely didn't want to be interviewed. And we made the decision, well, it's just her. We have the interview. We have radio recordings with her as well. We had writings that she had uh, committed to paper and published. And we just decided that this is one woman's version of events. That's our own version of events. And But it's a very honest one, I think, and I think it comes across in the, in the film. Um, so it, it, it was difficult in that respect, but because I think it became... A much sim simpler documentary in that respect. I think it became a much more of an emotional, had a more of an emotional impact uh, when it was finished. That she agreed to sit down and um, enter into a quite a, a long interview, I take it, and that she didn't want it then to be um, released until after her death. Mm. How how did that that in itself must have been. Um, I suppose, uh, quite an emotional experience to be sitting across from somebody in that scenario. 
Well, it was actually Ed Maloney, the journalist who had done the interviews, uh, and I know there was a lot of controversy around the Boston tapes at the time, uh, which is still ongoing. Now, these aren't part of the Boston tapes. Um, I came in after the interviews, but the, these were uh, a separate thing that she wanted to talk uh, to and as again, they wouldn't be shown, uh, they could be shown posthumously. So um, I, I think there was a lot on her mind at the end of her life. And I mean, I, I sat down with Ed for hours and hours and hours. We talked about the interviews and what she was like and what state of mind she was in. Um, she was very clear what she wanted to do, given the interviews, uh, the certain areas she didn't want to go to. And the certain areas of the documentary I didn't want to go to, for instance, but um, it was dealing with radicalization, uh, a lot of it, and her coming to terms with the actions she had done in her life, how she had felt uh, betrayed as an activist, as a radical, as a militant, whatever people want label to put on her, but that she had felt she had done it for nothing. Um, and that, I mean, at the end of the day, the principle of the film is violence costs. Uh, it costs the victim and it also costs the perpetrator. Uh, and I think that comes across. And I, I think that she wore that very heavily on her mind, you know. Um, and, you know, in a way, we were very much, we didn't want to be sympathetic either. I mean, it's, it's her telling her stories, Dolores' words, but we don't shy away from the things she did either. And we don't, we don't take a side, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And given that you mentioned her, like, it covers, she deals with her um, reaction to or her feelings relating to what was the peace process and the Good Friday yeah. Agreement, and of course, we're um, around the 20 year anniversary of it being signed. Mm. Based on the interviews and based on what you were able to get, garner from the experience, how does that leave you feeling about the future for? peace, long-term peace, reconciliation of communities, um, people working together, and things improving in the north of Ireland, long-term. Yeah, well, look, things are a lot better. And, you know, it's funny, it's, it's 20 years since the agreement, and it's 50 years since the start of the Troubles, if you take 1968 <clears throat> as really the kicking-off point. Um, uh, I mean, I've been up the north a lot. I mean, I've interviewed different people. I remember spending a week with David Irvine um, in his community, um, for documentary years ago, and you know, he, he showed me East Belfast, and what became clear to me was that how Northern Ireland had been ghettoised, uh, East and West, uh, you know, uh, North and South. It, it was a working class problem in a lot of ways. People kind of led down paths that they didn't want to, um, and you know what? You still see that in Northern Ireland. Um, that's still prevalent. Mm-hmm might not be run paramilitaries in a very obvious way anymore, but there are divisions. And look, you, you have a, an assembly that isn't working at the moment. So, you know, it's, it's all the way to the Good Friday Agreement was great, but, you know, there isn't a government there working at the moment. Um, it's in limbo. Um, I, think there, I still think there's a long way to go. It's a generational thing, um, and I think it will be another generation or two before that really kind of gets rid of a lot of the old hurt. Um, there's a lot of talk about, talk about kind of reconciliation and truth and reconciliation. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, if you see it as a civil war or whatever it was, it was deep. It scarred a lot of individuals and it scarred society, I think, quite deep. But look, you have to admit that it is in a better place. But um, I wouldn't be overly optimistic, but I think we've got to be realistic at the same time. And how would you say Dolores felt about the long-term future for the North of Ireland? 
I felt I, she felt in her own words that she felt cheated. Um, she contended that he, she and others uh, carried out acts uh, that was against their nature, that was against their human sensibility, but they did it because they were orders, because it was a war, because that's what they led to be, they led themselves to believe and were led to believe, she would argue, that was necessary to fight for Irish independence. Um, she did her time, she served, and I think when the Good Friday Agreement came about, she felt that any struggle had been ignored, that her argument would be that nation, the nationalist politics of the day capitulated too easily. You know, I don't fully agree with it. I think most people in Ireland would grant to see peace. Um, but there was a kind of a, a runt of Republicans in North and South that felt, you know, this this wasn't right. You know, obviously, you know, we obviously have the terrible atrocity of Oma later on. But these are the feelings that deep, are deep-rooted in politics in Ireland. And Republicanism hasn't gone away, you know, and it's... Uh, it's, uh, it has to be talked about and dealt with. And, you know, this is, a, this is I mean, in a sense, this is a story about a woman being radicalised, and it, there's never been a better time to talk about radicalisation. Um, it's the same across the world in different circumstances. It's about people growing up and being inculcated with beliefs and idioms that you and I might not necessarily agree with, but you can understand why people carry out certain things in certain situations. And I suppose one of the ways why, where I'm coming at in a way is that, you know, when you mention radicalization and how we change, like, mm. I know, I'm sure, your your views were different yeah. when you were 18 and 19 or 17 than they are today, as are mine. Yeah. And, you know, the school of hard knocks it does take the corners off you as life goes on. Yeah. So, um, for Dolores, when she got to the, the close to the end of her life... Mm. The radicalization that you describe that had happened, was she able to look back at that, that she had been radicalized and that it had, that her, that some of her corners had been knocked off and her views had changed? Or did she still believe that the fight was a glorious fight? I don't know if she thought it was a glorious fight. I think she saw, saw it as a fight. Um, I think, I, I think she, she had the maturity. She had... Uh, the internal maturity to and wisdom to find out, you know, that okay, life had changed and it wasn't what she had signed up for. And I think that she was the struggle had changed as she saw it. Um, she was committed to her original beliefs all along, um, but I think she felt robbed of something. Absolutely, I mean, I. I I, I wouldn't speak on her behalf and say she came around and she said that we did terrible things for wrong reasons. I, that's not how she felt. Um, she was a committed Republican. She was committed to her ideas. She was inculcated with these ideas from her parents, from her grand, you know, generations of Republicans in Northern Ireland, Belfast particularly. But um, she was aware of the pain she had caused. She was aware of the pain that had been caused to her. And I think she found that very hard to to handle them. I think she had a very sad uh, last years of her life and struggled with her own emotions and, you know, her own demons. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say she totally denied her beliefs, but I, there was a wisdom there. There was a maturity of some sort. A reckoning. <laughs> are we getting a world premiere on this? I, I'm... You are? 
You are, yeah. We're a premier in Toronto, uh, which is great. Um, and actually, I was very. I, I, I remember going to a Bobby Sands. The reason we wanted to show it abroad, to be honest, is because I remember going to a documentary to Bobby Sands, and it was premiered in Galway two years ago, I think. And it was very contentious, and there was a lot of people out there afterwards with different agendas, and it didn't make for uh, <laughs> a comfortable sitting. To be honest with you, there was a lot of politics going on. So I was adamant that I wanted to have this shown abroad first. Because I do think it's an international story, it's not just an Irish story, um, and I think it'd be good to get uh, reactions in Toronto to that and get a Canadian perspective on that. And we're going to Sheffield as well, and hopefully show it in Galway for the first time in July. But it's a world premiere in Toronto. And uh, yeah. Toronto opens on April 26th and runs until May. Yeah, May Sorry, and runs April. until May 6th. Yeah. And I know that there's, I think, three at least three screenings spread over that period of time. There are. And uh, um, it's, there's a few locations, but um, certainly it's worth looking at. Uh, the website is hotdocs.ca for tickets and full information on the screening locations and times. Um, are you going to get over yourself, Morris, to be able to to attend? I am. I am. I'm going to be there. For, I'm going to be there for the first uh, two. So I think it's uh, Saturday night at 28, uh, six o'clock in the Bell House Theatre, I think, and then in the following day at 1 o'clock on the Sunday. So I'll be there for two, three days. So looking forward to it. And then it's on the following weekend as well, because I know we're looking at catching it on the, the second weekend. Brilliant. Great. Look, brilliant. Brilliant. So, Morris, I want to thank you for taking the time. Um, it's been fantastic, and uh, I look forward to being challenged by the, the documentary, because, as I said earlier, you know, we, we approach these things with attitudes that are uh, ingrained in it ourselves and as you said earlier you know that you may not agree but you come to understand and I always felt that when I watched the wind that shakes the barley mm. it helped me understand why the Republican movement may have evolved in the way that it did yeah I mean I think uh, let's always be open to stuff you know and yeah. keep your beliefs but be open to others I think that's the <laughs> It's a secret of life I found. It makes it a bit easy. Morris Sweeney, director, I, Dolores, thanks a million for taking the time. Been a pleasure. Thank you.